Some movement at the takeoff zone. It's Kelly Slater grabbing rail. A clean entry. This thing holding open. It spits. When it spit me, I thought it was going to spit me off my board. Comes out with the spit. Spits him out. Comes out after the spit. Gets spat out of another good looking wave here. Spit, spit, spit. We're just spitballing, right? Yeah, I got. Yeah, guy. Yeah, guy. Yeah, friggin' guy. Welcome, everybody, to Spit, the Spit Podcast. David Lee Scales, Scott Bass, we're spitballing. It is January 8th. It's a Tuesday, January 8th. And um, good morning, David. Good morning, Scott. Our first show of 2019. Right. Welcome into this new year. Yes, we're flying into this new year with, with optimism and our wings spread wide. Very much so. <laughs> Thrilled to be done with 2018. Really? I don't know. Everybody, the whole internet hates 2018. Like, everybody thinks it was the worst year ever. I don't really care. It's not that big of a deal to me, but I'm riding that bandwagon. <laughs> I'm going in optimistically. I think the internet's the worst thing ever. The internet is. By the way, you when you rolled up, you were listening to the Joe Rogan podcast. Did yes. you listen to Rogan I often? do. Yeah. You like him? Um, yeah, he's pretty good. You know, I learn a lot from him. He, I think, like myself, he kind of talks too much and doesn't let his... Um, his guests breathe, you know, and I'm trying to work on that myself. He infuses a lot of Rogan into every episode, yeah, for sure. And I don't think it's wrong necessarily. Like when I interview people, I actually do the opposite. Like I try to get out of the way and just let them. I'll try to prompt them with interesting things and even um, controversial things. Get them to kind of discuss that, but then I'll get out of the way and let them talk. But Rogan's such an interesting person that I kind of let him get away with it. And I think he's become more interesting over the years because he's interviewed all these people. He's gained a lot of more knowledge and insight and information. So I don't mind him being Rogan so much now. I think that's part of the joy. I don't think it was two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if I really didn't like him, I wouldn't listen to him, you know, no matter who his guest was. Let me ask you this. I sometimes have this thing where I'll be interviewing somebody even happens when I'm talking to you or to my wife or anybody and they'll be talking and their discussion, their discourse, whatever it is they said, sparks something inside of me that I now feel like I have to get this out or maybe I'll forget it or I don't know what it is internally, psychologically that makes me have to like go, wait, what about this? You know, and like interject, you know, and that's where my downfall is and I'm trying to get better at it. I'm trying to recognize it. And I think, I think meditation is going to help with that. Uh, well, that just sparks something. That's a whole different topic, but let me start on the first. Um, we all have that. And what I, what I'll do is I'll try to organize in my head like, oh, so I want to talk about point A, B, C, and D when Scott's done talking and I never really make it to C or, you know, D or whatever. Um, it's just really difficult to organize those thoughts. And then I'll go back sometimes I'll be editing the episode later and I go, oh shoot, when he said that, I meant to discuss this, but I never got around to it because we went off on this other tangent. But uh, speaking of meditation, though, let's do that tangent. Are you actually implementing meditation? Well, I've been meditating for a while. What do you? What is meditation for you or what type of meditation? Well, it's it kind of changes. It kind of varies. But basically what I do is I, I wake up. The first thing I do in the morning is I go into my living room and I sit down quietly. And I often put on um, some music, some meditation music, this stuff from Wayne Dyer. Do you know who Wayne Dyer is? Yeah. And he has this meditation music. You can Google it. It's called I Am What I Am. 
and it's this music that's just kind of this like trippy like i don't know for lack of a better phrase it's like meditative church music but it's kind of real low-key like organs and chimes and shit and i listen to that and i just try to um i try to mantra i'll try to mantra like i'll just be like whatever it is that comes to my mind a lot of times it'll be around god or or around um a, a deity you know and and i'll just try to mantra out to quiet myself so that all the thoughts and stuff are are out of the way and if there is some sort of universal spirit that wants to speak or that you know and somehow i just need to quiet my own stupid thoughts which are the things that i end up interjecting into conversations which when i shouldn't interesting so anyway that's in a nutshell that's sort of it briefly and i'm good for between 30 seconds and 40 minutes depending on the day and the interruptions and when you only do 30 seconds is that because you failed or is it because that's all you needed that day no well first of all it's funny you say fail because as westerners we have this assumption that when you meditate you need to attain something like that like that there's some carrot at the end of the thing and that you know if you go longer you'll be closer to your higher power or to your universal spirit or to a deity of some sort and that may or may not be true i don't know but what's fascinating is that you and i and a lot of us in western culture attach this did i do it right type of attitude towards it so to answer your question and i often tell people as long as you sit down every day and try you have succeeded and it's more about the routine Mm -hmm. and the more that you do it every single morning I've found that the more that you end up doing it for five minutes, for 20 minutes, and I will say that once you break a certain barrier of time, and I don't really know what it is, but there's a certain time, and you've probably experienced this, when you're all of a sudden really comfortable with where you're at, and you don't necessarily want to stop. Like, there's no need to, oh my God, I got to go do this, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's usually, you know, what, like I said, I don't know the exact time, but there's definitely a place where you're just so relaxed and so quiet that it feels wonderful and you just stay there you know you just continue on there's no longer this looking at the clock type of thing when um a couple years ago headspace introduced their app yes. i downloaded that and it might have been around the beginning of the year like as a new year's resolution sort of thing and so i was doing that headspace app and one of the things that they talk about in the first couple of uh sessions is sitting on a grass lawn watching traffic go by and instinctively what you'll do is you'll watch individual cars and that's what your brain is doing throughout the day you're focusing on these individual anxiety moments let's call them or just things that you have to do and the point of the meditation is to kind of get to the point where the traffic is just flowing by and you're not really focused on anything you're still observing the traffic but you're not fixated on oh there's one there's a red car there's a blue volkswagen there's a green And um, once you're able to kind of live in that state or once you're able to access that state while you're sitting on the lawn, you should be able to access that state or the next goal is to be able to access that state throughout your everyday life, just as you go about life to be in that mode. And I heard somebody else talking about, and, and so what I found difficult was I had a hard time meditating. I had a hard time doing what you're saying. I had a hard time getting up every day and committing to this ritual or routine. I found myself um, the exact opposite, just being too busy, being too busy minded. But I did find myself in meditative states, maybe when I was making my coffee or in the shower or whatever. And what I, 
I stopped kind of beating myself up over not being able to sit for 30 minutes a day and just accept that like, no, no, no. When I come home and I cook at night, chopping vegetables is meditative for me. That's how I wind down from my day. I can't wind down sitting on the sofa watching TV. I need some sort of a repetitive, active motion. I like to be active. So if I can kind of accomplish a task while I'm also zoning out and meditating, that is actually okay for me, you know? And I've heard people talk about it, like like people who have been doing it for years and years and years. They go, being able to live in it is actually a good thing and that's kind of where you want to be. So if you're able to do that instinctively, that's okay too, you know? And and so I, I find that I have, I don't call it meditation, but I have a lot of meditative time throughout my day where I'm able to just kind of relinquish the thoughts, get into a groove and be in that kind of calm flow state for lack of a better term well perhaps i can challenge you challenge me to when you wake up in the morning do your business and go and sit down for just 30 seconds i could do 30 seconds yeah just but do it every day yeah and you and you're doing it with purpose you know mm-hmm. you're, you've got a purpose driven 30 seconds here and that's whatever it is maybe you just you know, come up with some quick mantra and just say it 30 seconds, you know, 30 times over and over and over. Yeah. Know. Do you have a mantra? Chop yeah, I do, actually. <laughs> do you want to share it? Uh, sure. It's, it's Ayam. A-Y-O-M. Okay. Ayam. Which I just got off the internet because I was Googling, you know how they have, like, Howard Stern or other people, you hear them talk about transcendental yeah, yeah, meditation. Yeah, transcendental. Transcendental, thank you. Well, apparently it's like, they all have you this pay one. Yeah, you pay. Bucks. Right, you and I have talked about this. You pay fifteen hundred bucks and you get a word. Yeah. And I googled it. I went on YouTube and some guys like, look, everyone has the same word. It's ayam. Like, here's the big secret. Like, they all have the same word, which is ayam, which is like in the Old Testament. It's what apparently what God said to Moses that oh, I shall okay. be called ayam for gener. You know, I don't know. Anyway, that's my thing, and that can be yours. There's a great episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm where Larry David steals. Or he borrows Richard Lewis's uh, mantra, <laughs> and then Richard Lewis gets into a bind with a girlfriend, and he needs to like relax, and so he wants his mantra back, but Larry won't give it to him. <laughs> is that it's the best so show on TV? That's it, such a good show. It really is the best show on TV. Let me have, okay, go ahead. As a side note, have you ever journaled? No, I don't do too much journaling. Because you're a bit of a writer. I you was. Have I have been. Yeah. I, and I enjoy writing. In fact, interestingly, I did start writing last week. I wrote a bunch of stuff. About what? It's kind of personal. Like essay type stuff? Just kind of about me, you know? Okay. Not to be published anywhere, just No, no, purging. just internally. Yeah, yeah just yeah. not even purging, just kind of exploring. You mm. know? Journaling? Yes, I was journaling, yeah. Mm. I... Um, nobody's ever said anything bad about journaling. You know, anybody who ever talks about it only has good things to say. And... I enjoy writing. I've, uh, I feel like I've got a natural kind of talent for it that I don't really exercise enough. And I have written in the past for not, I mean, in the surf world, in the wine world too, and had success with it. Um, but my mom gave me this journal, this like one sentence journal and each page is a date. So today's date, January 8th. And there's five years worth of lines on that page. So you write in, 2019 on the first one and you write your one sentence of your journal what happened today that was significant or worth talking about and by the time you make it to next year 
you do it for next year, but you could see what you wrote in 2019. Oh, that's pretty cool. Which is really cool, I think. I mean, I that's just started cool. it, but the idea that I can come back next year and be like, oh my God, on this exact date last year, this was what was important to me, you know, which may still may, may have been the seed that was planted that next year is like significant, or it may just be completely superficial, you know? Here's what's interesting about that yeah. is that when you turn your journal to today's date and you see what you wrote last year, does it affect what you're about to write for this year? It'd be cool if somehow the journal didn't reveal. Yeah. It's the, interesting. The, the years before until the fifth year was finished or so I don't know. Something, it would you know. be. That'd be interesting. I think the one thing against that that I would say is I've already been thinking. I do it at the end of the day. So all day I've been kind of thinking what's going to go into tonight's entry. Right. It's almost preloaded by the time I open it up. Therefore, not a lot could offset it. Right. You know? How many times does... Um, <laughs> what? Tell me. Does Chop Hop make your journal? It hasn't made it yet. Oh, that is a shame. It hasn't That's made it yet, right. Scott. That is not right. Um, shout hey, out... Go ahead. ...to Shaq. Oh, yes. Yeah, Circuit Heritage and Culture, Culture Center. Center. Thank you for hosting us, as always. Shaq.org. Yes. Um, <clears throat> I know you got a full list of notes. Can we catch up on a couple of things? Sure. There's one thing I'm going to put you on the spot. I'll delete this part out of the episode if you don't want to discuss this. Okay. But I thought that listeners would definitely find relatability and it's worth discussion. Okay. Last time I saw you physically, it was at the beach. Yes. In Cardiff. Yes. And you were going through some consternation over something that happened in the lineup. Yes. Shall we discuss or not? Sure. Why not? What happened, Scott? I'm trying to remember it. Well, the waves were pumping. Yeah, the waves were good. It was the day that we recorded an episode. Okay. Yeah, I remember. Okay, so. You drive. I show up. You're getting out of the water from your second session. Yeah. I'm putting my wetsuit on. You're exiting the parking lot. We see each other. You pull over. Roll down your window. We chat just for a moment. We're like, hey, what's up? How is it? You just had this look on your face of, like I said, consternation. I'm like, Scott, is everything okay? Like, I don't know, dude. I just had a little bit of an altercation in the lineup. I'm kind of bummed out about it. Yeah. Well, and, and it was just verbal, and it was very small. And I'm so, like, sensitive, boy, that even a small little verbal alter- altercation can, can kind of upset me, you know? And so, um, and so yeah, I just, I, w- I sat out there for, a while, like, a long time. You know, for me, like, a solid 10 minutes and um, waiting for a set wave. And one finally came, and and all the guys that are out there that I surf with all the time are like, "You're up, go," you know. And and I went, and there was a guy behind me. Um, it wasn't he was deeper than me, but he wasn't further outside, you know. Like he wasn't sitting in the spot. He just kind of like paddled aggressively from the inside. Anyway, I'm not saying what he did is right or wrong. I'm just saying that there was. Um, so I went on the wave, and I rode it all the way through, and I think I kind of stuffed him on the on my bottom turn in fact i know i did not on purpose just because that's the nature of the wave dictated that that's where i do my bottom turn and um and i finished the wave and he was kind of waiting there you know throwing his arms in the air like what the hell blah, blah. And, and i paddled up to him and we had our little bs moment where you know he screamed at me and i screamed at him i didn't really scream at him and he was just like blah. And what what was his um his thing was you know you're not the only one that's been waiting and um, you know, that kind of thing, you know, and, and at the end of the day, it, it's all quite silly. It's all quite like 15 year old shit. And that's really, I think what bothers me more than anything is that I'm just, I just don't enjoy surfing when I have to deal with me becoming a 15 year old, you know, like mm. that's, 
Like it's it's at a much grander level. It doesn't really have to do with the wave that was caught or the wave that was ridden or even the other person. It's more about I'm just kind of getting fed up of having to play the political battle in the water. Like I'm getting to a place where I'm like I'd much ra- I get it now when guys are like, "Yeah, I surfed middles with nobody out versus lowers with 70 guys." You know, it's like, "God, I bet that was peaceful," you know. And and so yeah, I was just, you know, I'm just kind of I was just sort of, like I say, excavating where am am I with all of this, you know? How long did it take you to cool down after that? Well, I I don't know. Was I heated? I don't know if I was heated. I was more like internally You seemed like you were going to go home like bummed over the session. Like the session wasn't a net gain is what it felt like. Yeah, I don't think it was. I mean, I didn't think about any of the waves. I was thinking about the the confrontation. Yeah. The waves were memorable. Yeah. So, and and frankly, and and it kind of comes down to this whole like, entitlement bullshit like just because i've lived and surfed there for a long time but but then it comes out then you turn the tables on it you're like there's 45 guys out there's three waves a set every three minutes not everyone's going to get waves and who gets them and how do they get them and who says they get them and is it do you only have to be on the inside like is it always the guy on the inside gets the wave like that's what we need to discuss so what was your where were you at just to redefine for listeners, he was deeper than you. Yes. He rode the entire wave behind you. No, he, I stuffed him and forced him out of the wave. Oh, so, so after he, the bottom turn, he did not make the rest gotcha, of the wave. Gotcha, gotcha. So that sounds like you burned him straight out. Yeah, no, I'm sure it looked it. like it too. And in your mind, how did you not? How were you not at fault in that? Well, scenario? I'm not saying I wasn't. I very well could have been. In I'm hindsight, open, I'm open-minded. Well, to, in hindsight, what are your thoughts on it? In hindsight. I guess culturally it's ingrained in me that the guy on the inside, no matter what, gets the wave. That's why I have guilt. Right. You know. So why so did my you go? rationalization that hey, I've been surfing out there for a really long time and I'd been waiting for a long time and all my bros were like, dude, you're up, go. You know, screaming me into it because they don't know the guy that's back there either. Like, who's that guy? You know. So that was enough justification to pull rank. Yeah, but I don't. I don't think it was. Like in hindsight, I don't think it was. I in think the moment, that it was. I was probably guilty. I think in a court of my peers, they'd be like, "Sorry, bro, guy on the inside always gets the." And then that kind of freaks me out. That who are my peers to say that? So if you were surfing a random spot in the world, let's yeah. say Hawaii somewhere, yeah. would you have gone in that scenario? You know, I probably would have because it wasn't a situation where I looked and saw him. Like, I didn't even know he was there until I was dropping into the wave. So oh, it wasn't, really? no, it wasn't a situation where I looked at him, snickered and went, screw you, I'm going. It was a situation where my head was down and I was stroking hard just to catch the wave. Yeah. You know, because I was kind of further outside and he was kind of inside and more right on the reef. And them telling you to go was kind of like enough people have checked out this scenario i got the green light yeah exactly. i'm going exactly yeah but it, again it doesn't mean that i was right i don't think there's any right and that's just it i don't think there's right or wrong here i think my internal strife is more with just the fact that i have to process all of that yeah is like you know what maybe i should surf somewhere not so crowded or or if you would have been able to do all of that kind of processing that you've done in two weeks instantly and when you were paddling out he confronted you if you would have just apologized him and like holy crap i never even looked my buddies told me to go i wasn't even looking my mistake wouldn't that have solved it all do you think totally might have it would have solved on my end it would have cleaned up my side of the street 
But by that point, my ego had yeah, kicked in, of course. and I was like, you know, just dumb fifteen-year-old. I went, I turned into dumb fifteen-year-old. You know? Yeah. Yeah, it's fascinating. Um, I was on the East Coast, you know, for like a month traveling around, and I surfed with a buddy. Is like a board builder, Greg Evie, mm-hmm. great board builder, in North Carolina. We were hanging out, and then we went and surfed together. His local spot, five guys out. Only his buddies, and I burned one of his buddies. Oh my god! <laughs> Fully accidentally, though, like kind of not exactly what you're saying, but similar. Where I just I this wave was coming straight to me. I just went. I didn't even look, and it. I never don't look. It was such a rarity for me to not look back. But the thing just popped up, and I think the way that it was wedging. I couldn't fathom that there was anybody that could go even deeper than me. I thought it was like backdooring the wave. And if there was some, it was a right. So if there was somebody to my left, they would be going left. I just didn't even think to look, you know? And so I went, surfed the wave and then kicked out and realized somebody is 10 yards behind me that had kicked out as well. And he like threw his hands up and I, I just was completely flabbergasted. Like I am so, so sorry. And he was cool. He was like, Oh, he's like, you didn't know? And I'm like, I didn't even look, dude. And I, it's, I'm a kook for not looking. And he's like, oh, it's cool. Don't even worry about it then, you know? And then on the ride back, Greg was talk mentioned his buddy and like what he does for work and just referenced him. And I go, yeah, I feel really bad. I burned that dude on a wave. And he goes, you know, I was down the beach and I saw that and I didn't want to get involved, but I was like, I cringed when I saw you go. And I'm like, oh, I feel like such a kook. I show up as the out of towner there's five guys in the water and I burned the local dude. Like, and it was a good wave. I mean, the waves are terrible, but there was a good one for that day. You know, yeah. I still cringe about it. It's been a month or two and I'm still, Oh, you, you're good. You, you made your, yeah. And he was cool. And Greg was cool, but I'm like, I cringed for, I felt, yeah. I still feel terrible about it. You right. know, it's like, because it's, it's a kook move to not look. Yeah. You know? <laughs> what if you would have said, yeah, you know, surfers are the worst. Yeah. Deal with it. <laughs> Oh my! But well, we've dug deep into our psyche. I've, have we given our listeners enough stuff to chew on, or have we given them too much info? I don't think we've given them too much info. I think this is far more interesting than discussing pipe masters and world titles and stuff like that. I think you know? you're right. We're sick of talking about that shit. Glad to have a break from it for a couple of months. Oh, by the way, I, my family got me a cuss bank for Christmas. I got this no little way. jar that's a little bank that you put money in every time you cuss because they want to be the benefactors of your cussing well, that, do they get to that, keep the money our listeners 12 year old kids should get the dough that would be cool who gets the money in the cuss bank? who was the guy that sent us an email that's yeah like, multiple people i think oh no <laughs> and then other people are just like no let it fly uh, yeah. uh who gets the cuss jar money Did i don't you know. work that out yet i, I no it, it was just kind of a, a joke it wasn't yeah. like a, like i haven't put any money <laughs> so i have a poker group that gets together every month and a half or so and the guy who hosts it at his house has a 14-year-old son with a cuss jar. And so in the, he'll be in the other room watching whatever, YouTube probably. And if he hears a cuss word from the room that we're playing poker in, he walks in holding the jar. And whoever <laughs> dropped the cuss word has to drop a bucket. That is so great. I guarantee you he's earned a 100 bucks since we've been playing poker. That's you know? killer. Yeah, it's funny. He's uh, at the point now where like the bigger cussers in our group walk in and hand him a 20. <laughs> take this mother effort (laughs) that's great yeah poker night 
Well, it, it started out like we're all into wine. So it was really uh, a wine tasting kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then that just became way too, uh, I don't know. Boring? Uh, yeah, like we're le- Yeah, we're leaving the house with like a cooked, really nice meal and a bottle of wine. And the women who we've all individually spend our time with are like, where are you taking the beef Wellington to? And like the aged Bordeaux, we're like, don't worry about it. You know, it became too homoerotic. Uh, so we had to introduce, oh we had to introduce cards to make right. it less weird. So you needed some bro capital. Exactly. Exactly. Interesting. Yeah. Nobody cares about poker, but right. Um, the WSL has purchased the inland surf park, David, from a business standpoint, an absolutely brilliant move. Waco. Really? Brilliant move. Yes. Waco now stands a distant second in Texas surfing, maybe third behind the Bob Hall Pier. They're going to be ripping out the Wave Garden infrastructure, installing Kelly Slater Wave Pool technology. What they now have is the ideal consumer facing venue and location. 15 minutes from the Austin airport, 15 minutes from downtown Austin. A college town, the University of Texas Longhorns, the state capital is in Austin. A thriving and exciting music city. David, as early as 2020, you will see a WSLWCT event in Austin, Texas with five-star headlining musical acts, incredible surfing, and all with the infrastructure and culture that was glaringly missing from Lemoore. I expect the WSL to build a state-of-the-art slick music stage, a small event production facility. This location will be the WSL's Mount Olympus. It's Valhalla. You will see a WSL Hall of Fame built there. A fan experience like we've never seen, David, with virtual reality where you and I ride the wave behind Kelly Slater in the tube. We come out and we high-five him, or we can fight him. (laughs) A massive big screen for viewing UT games on Saturday, a swimming pool, a clubhouse. A lot going on here, David. A lot of conjecture going on here. Hell yeah. If that's what I would do if I was in charge, I'm sure Elo's figuring it all out. Um, so, a couple of points. Some of that was objective fact. Some of it was fake news. It's not <laughs> fake news. Opinion. Some of it was op-ed. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so the first part was you saying consumer facing. Is this? Well, it is. Inland was consumer facing. Right. Oh, I believe it to be. Yeah. Why wouldn't what it do you be mean after by cons- all the things I just. Well, because all those things were your opinion. But when you say consumer facing, do you mean open to the public? Or yes. Open to the public to surf or just open to the public to view? Both. You think this will be open to the public Surfing, to surf? Surfing, you, you can have your corporate party there. You can. You can go to the swimming pool. Which you, you can, can do at Lemoore as well. Sure. For 50000 bucks a day. Right, but you don't have all the infrastructure that Austin provides. Right. Austin provides everything that Lemoore doesn't have. So let's Not break to this. mention a population base. Absolutely. So it tees it up. It looks like that's definitely where they're going. Right. Let me ask you this. Lemoore has enough infrastructure for the people who would rent it out for one day. You know what I mean? Like if you're going to pay the fifty k, you're not going to have... 300 people join you you're going to have your five to ten best friends and therefore the tachi palace is adequate to accommodate you are you indicating that this enlin version will be more of like a pay per wave or pay hourly like enlin was again that you're right this is what i'm assuming i'm assuming that but what do you what do you think yeah that's what i think okay i think this is going to be their like i said their mount olympus they're going to 
turn this into the thing that they Lamar thought they had to figure yeah. out how to turn Lamar into. Now they're like, duh, dude, turnkey solution. You know, and at the same time, we take all the power out of Waco, or at least a little bit of the mojo away from Waco. We're way cooler than Waco. I don't think it takes mojo. See, I think the great thing about Waco is it's now a debt. Austin is becoming a destination, a surf destination. Yeah. You know, it's like um, why you build a bunch of different car dealerships all on the same street. Yeah. It's so that people spend an entire Saturday shopping for cars. So I think that wasn't Slater's original plan, obviously, but the fact that there are two so close. And like you said, Austin is such a great, athletic, young, active city with profession young business professionals who earn a decent living that can afford to do this type of thing it really is falling all into place for them um interesting i didn't really think through all the way to what you said which is hosting a ct event there yeah it is a perfect ct venue Absolutely. because of all those things this is it's where scary, the ct this is, surf ranch will be this is scary because it's one more harbinger for the end times no no it is i mean if you think that u.s open is bad where it's like it attracts these massive crowds of people who have nothing to do like in it attracts massive crowds of non-core surfers from the inland who come inland not inland uh who come just to party basically why are you afraid of this what does it what what i'm i'm just speaking from the narrative of what we've been talking about from wave pools all along i'm not saying this is my personal thing right i'm saying this is indicating that it's going so into middle i mean this is middle america this is the yeah, definition that's what they of want america. that's why i'm saying yeah. this is a brilliant business move. people who want to just come and smash people want to hang of, out with kelly and vr a barrel and and drink and watch surfing and watch the ut game on the big screen and you know, it's yeah. and eat really good food and you and hang out in the swimming pool like they do in Vegas, you know, like young UT people. Yeah. You know? Yep. Um you said you also have the option to fight Kelly in that VR. Well, it's VR. <laughs> I mean you're gonna get some you get different Here's my question. Would you fight Kelly? No, I would high five Kelly. I'd be stoked to ride in the tube behind him. Kelly, I'm pretty sure would kick all of our asses oh there's no doubt i mean not only is he more athletic but he's got a little just enough brazilian jiu-jitsu not only knowledge but training he trains enough thing is we're in texas so i'm just gonna break out a gun shoot him (laughs) (laughs) wow it's all virtual it's all virtual beach grits new headline for the day (laughs) scott bass (laughs) vendetta against no i'm gonna high five kelly man here's the other thing that's interesting right the only semi-concern is the state of texas politically is how do I say it's pretty Texan mm-hmm. and it kind of goes I mean if one state if there's one state there's probably more conservative states but if there's one state where you're like it kind of goes against sort of California's progressive liberalism and the culture around that and the culture around the WSL out of Santa Monica yeah. It's probably the state of Texas. But Austin is probably the most liberal city in Texas. And they've got Beto O'Rourke. Like, I can see Beto O'Rourke having, like, a campaign rally there, you know? I don't think the things are at odds. You know, like, I don't see any, I don't know, ambition of the WSL being at odds with... I agree. I'm just saying... I think California that versus would be Texas, the, yes, but not 
right. WSL versus Texas. I think this suits Texas interests. There's a lot going on in Austin. Did you know that there's the Hippie Hollow Park, an adult-only clothing-optional beach park on Lake Travis? No. Yeah. I'm in. <laughs> Hippo Hollow Park. Hippo is re- unappealing, though. The fact that no, I call hippie, it- I'm sorry. Oh, hippie. Okay. <laughs> hippie Hollow. I thought hippie Hippo Hollow had something park. to do with the people that were attending. <laughs> no, no. Hippie Hollow Park, an adult-only clothing-optional park. On- this is. I got this from... The Austin website, like the city of Austin official They're website. advertising. Yeah, there's the things to do in Austin. Amazing. <laughs> Pretty cool city, though. I've been there. You've been there. I know you've been to Inland, right? I had so much fun there. So they're going to make the bird scooters everywhere and eating well. Yeah. Super fun. I know. I, I, I enjoyed my meal there, too. Yeah. Um, they're going to pull out that wave garden infrastructure and put in. That's, I mean, you know, so just kind of behind the scenes are kind of like out with the old in with the new it's kind of a little yeah i don't want to say a stab at wave garden but it's kind of like i mean why wouldn't kelly put in his own stuff anyway i mean that makes sense it's not like they're going wave gardens isn't good they're just saying look we're i think they uh, i think they don't need to say that we know that's the inferior technology the way the well at least from a plow standpoint but um certainly wave gardens what they call the cove technology Looks pretty cool and different. Totally. And WaveGarden absolutely can adapt in the market and develop a competing technology. And they have the best beginner wave out there probably. But, I mean, maybe that's not even true. Well, I think that's something that they should, that that the new Inland, that the new Kelly Slater Austin Park should should sort of wrap their hands, their arms around, which is... a beginner wave. Yeah. You need to create Waikiki. Well, the great thing about the the way that Enlin was structured was they put all the beginners on the whitewash. Yeah. And then the advanced surfers get to ride the face of the wave. So you get 10 people on one wave, basically. Now, I would also, though, argue that Kelly's wave is probably better for beginners. If you want to take off on whitewash, wouldn't you rather ride Kelly's whitewash than Enlin's whitewash? <laughs> Just because there's more energy. Yeah. Like, it'll... Yeah. The faster you go, the easier it is to stand up and to go. Yes. So... Kelly's whitewash is actually better for beginners too, probably. Learners. There's a headline. Adult learners. <laughs> There's a headline for Beach Grit. Kelly's whitewash better for adult learners. <laughs> oh, um, my did you Lordy. see the price? No. Did you? I did. So, ATX Real Estate News published what the, I guess the tax assessor in 2018 valued Enlin's property and facility at. It was. Four point eight million. God, that's cheap. I thought it was so cheap, and they didn't say that's what it sold for to right. Kelly, but that's what it was all valued at. Right. The appraisal. Yeah. So you, then you gotta you gotta figure with the business cost. Like I'm sure Inland's like, look, dude, we've did like five years of marketing. We got this thing up and running. This thing's on the map. That's worth something. What about the buildings? I guess the buildings came in under that four point eight million, but and they're ripping out the technology. So there's not a lot of assets we really want from you. And that doesn't regard. matter. We're selling you what. We're selling you. Whether yeah. you rip it out or not is on you. Right. But you can't... Yeah, so anyway, I bet... I don't know what the number was. Who knows? I, I'm not good at valuations, but... It's more than 4.8. Let's say it's 8. Let's, let's say it's 8 to 10. 10. Yeah. And, and did they get extra land? Like, there's plenty of land. There's See, my so thing much is land, They dude. need to build, like I say, a swimming pool, a hall of fame, a building environment for events, well, and, a stage. I mean, they're going to have a killer thing. I mean, it's going to be pretty killer turnkey once it's all built and everything. 
I think it's going to be not a music a, venue. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. The other thing is Kelly's pool is five times <clears> longer <throat> than Enlin's pool. So they do need more land. Or I don't know how much land uh, Doug Coors owned at Enlin, but... So maybe he already owned plenty of land that Kelly can just build out from that regular pool. But Kelly's pool is 700 yards long. Yeah. And the Enlin one was like less than 200 yards probably. Yep. So needs a lot more space. Well, I find that to be sort of the the sort of exciting news of the day. Yeah. I did some research. I'm sure you've done this too. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free that's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free terms and conditions apply how many of the 11 events last year how many were won by brazilians 10 wow nine julian wilson won one that's the only person i could think of nine events were won by brazilians of the 11 who won the other one other than julian um I'd have to look on the Me deal. too. I'll try to look. I, Did I Wade Carmichael win one? No, he finaled twice. I'll look it up while you're talking. This year on tour, of the 34, 11 Brazilians on tour this year. Eight Australians. Four mainland USA surfers. Four Hawaiians. Crazy. The rest are just whatever. Japanese... European. South African, European. Yeah. 11 Brazos. The storm is no longer a storm. What is it? It is an official... Like, uh, it is oxygen. It's a, we- it's a weather system. <laughs> <laughs> it's oxygen that we all are breathing at it this is. point. Um, I mean, we knew more, this was kind of... I this think, isn't a surprise, but it's... So here's what I think is kind of more interesting, or is just, in addition to that, a third of the tour, you're saying, is Brazilians. I would argue more than a third of the top 10 is going to be Brazilian. I think 80% of the top 10 is going to be Brazilian. So not only are they the largest percentage of people on tour, they're the best surfers on tour. Well, there's no doubt. I mean, if nine of the events last year were won by Brazilians. But it should be said insane. it was the same ones. I mean, it was... Felipe well, yeah. won multiples. Gabe won multiples. Idolo won two, and Gabe. I, 
who was William Cardoso. Yeah, Cardoso. William Cardoso, 1-1. Yeah. One, one. Um, Nine events won by Brazilians of the 11. Yeah. Is this good for the WSL? I don't think it's bad. I think it's the best surfers are winning, you know? I think, I don't what, know, is there an opportunity it, to play? When does it become bad? What if next year there were 15 Brazilians on tour? And what if the year after that there were 25? Is yes. that bad? I think it could be bad, yes. I definitely think in that scenario that you just painted. Is it bad that there's only four mainland surfers? Yes, I do think that's bad. Who is to blame for this? Uh, we, as mainland surfers, you and I, we are to blame. We are to blame for not building the infrastructure to support the kind of juniors and the up-and-coming pro amateurs. Well... For sure. That's, I don't think you and I are, but I, you might suggest that... I take blame. Is it the American culture? Is it Yeah. So I think it's those two things. It is the systems that we don't have in place to really prop up a junior system, but there's also the fact that we're too fat and rich and sloth, sloth-like, slovenly. Yeah. I don't know what the word is. Um we don't have grit, dude. We don't have the fire in our bellies to go out and get it. And then the kids who do come up, we just give them giant contracts, coddle them, give them a manager that settles all of their details for them before they even have to learn how to travel around the world on their own. And therefore, they don't have any of that work ethic We're and grit. We're soft. Soft, man. Did Gabe Medina, is Gabe Medina soft? Didn't Gabe Medina have all that stuff? Gabe, no. Gabe didn't have that stuff. Gabe, it was ingrained in Gabe's DNA to work for it by the time he got that stuff. And once it's in your DNA, that's enough. Right. Even if you start getting coddled at a certain age, if it's in your DNA to, before that... Is social media to blame? No. Not at all. What happened to um, that kid from Newport? Is it Luke Davis or... Luke what? was from San Juan Cap. Who are all these people that were supposed to be... Luke, yes. So in that scenario, is social media to blame? I hear what you're saying. Luke Davis um, fell victim to social media's vice. You know, he has every vice available at his fingertips. He's a beautiful looking person. Tons of women. I went on a trip Does with him. Does he play poker with you guys? No, he doesn't. But I did go on a trip with him one time. And uh, it was like when Instagram was first coming around. Yeah. And he would just show me. He's like, dude, look at this DM. And it's just beautiful adult women sending him messages. Are you sure they weren't like Russian bots? <laughs> no, no, no. First of all, this was early days Instagram. And these were verifiable accounts. Yeah. And uh, shortly thereafter, you know, he's spending a lot of, a lot of time in L.A., at parties, by the way, for anybody who's not around this area, LA, there's no waves. There's tons of party. There's great opportunity economically and outside of the surf industry and stuff, but not a lot of waves. So if you're going to be spending a lot of time in LA, it's not for surfing. And um, I think that Luke pursued that lifestyle. But by the way, he has a, still has a career in surfing, not a world tour career, but he's uh, got full sponsorship, going on trips, producing good quality content but and so he that was really he could have been Kaloe. he could have been Kaloe. well maybe that's the problem <clears throat> this concept of um maybe it's the surf media maybe it's just consumer capitalism in the way that that we sell product is why we haven't created world champions yes i think that's part of the problem 
Although, I mean, if Hurley's selling a bunch of gear because they sponsor certain individuals, and I'm just throwing this out there, it could be O'Neill, whoever, and they're doing well, and their model is, hey, just get some Instagram love going and get a bunch of people going and then get everyone excited and everyone's mom to come to the store and buy the Hurley gear. And so the model's working. It is working, and that's what I was just going to say. What is your goal here? I mean, you're... The way that you're framing well, it, the world champion or the world title is the ultimate goal. Well, from the WSL standpoint. From the WSL standpoint. And that's is. kind of where I'm coming from. Yeah, exactly. But I think from kind of a global standpoint, a lot of people don't care about a world title. And even the brands themselves, only some care about the world title. You know, Luke's sponsored by Ruka. I don't think Ruka necessarily cares about a world title. Um, Does Ruka care about... A world champion uh, jiu-jitsu guy? Yes, for sure they do. So they do care about world title in some yeah. endeavor, yeah. but not in the surf endeavor. And if they had a guy who transitioned into the world tour and won a world title, they'd be psyched, I'm sure. Right. But that's not the culture that they're cultivating right. with their brand. Um, I, I think that surfing, as it transitions into inland and all these other places... There's just so much, a bigger breadth of opportunity for everybody. You don't have to be, um, it's not going to be as homogeneous as it was before. It used to just be, there were two paths. There was professional free surfer and professional competitive surfer. Now within professional free surfer, there's 10 options. There's professional big wave guy. There's professional style guy. There's professional air guy. There's going to be professional wave park guy only. You know, do you think within the confines of the WSL offices, this is something that they should have a meeting about? Should they confer and go, so. "Hey, yeah, for a healthy, robust World Surf League, we need a lot of continents, we need a lot of countries represented, and when it gets too heavy on one side, it's not a good thing." Now, that's just between us here in this meeting, and within these, this is a secret meeting. We we don't want anyone to know that, but we want diversity. Absolutely. A hundred percent. So and you do believe they're going to address it internally or they should. they should be. And I think that they do, to be honest. I do too. And when you look at and how, do, so what do you do? What, what is your, what, how do you leave that meeting? What is your call to action? What is your next step? I think it all starts from the top. So I think that the board of directors needs to reflect the diversity, right? So it can't just be all middle-aged, uh, middle to upper class white guys no, with college degrees. It needs to be people of different ethnicities and females. What does that have to do males? with solving the problem of only having four mainland USA? I'm going to explain it to you. I'm okay. going to explain it to Please you. It do. starts from the top. So if your board of directors and the people making decisions reflects diversity, they all come from different backgrounds and have different interests and pull for different styles of content that they want to see reflected through the World Surf League. And so people will be advocating for... Um, Things that reflect their experience growing up, and it'll, you know, they'll end up producing that style of content. You don't think so? What I'm saying to you is, we're having this meeting because we're we're a little bit disgruntled that there's tw- 15 Brazos on tour, six Australians, f- three mainland surfers, and three Hawaiians. We need more diversity, and I'm rec- I'm referring to the nation states. Yeah. We need more Americans on tour. 
And you're telling me that our call to action is to have a diverse board of directors? I'm saying their WSL should be building out a much broader platform than <clears throat> just competitive surfing. If they're only focused on who is winning world titles, they're missing opportunities to capture the vaster media market, you know? Like, knowing that we're saying it's becoming this broader thing where there's all these free surfers making a living, they should be designing content that incorporates free surfing and big wave surfing so and all that other stuff. It could be argued then, according to you, that, and maybe this isn't the right term, but through a diversity of content and a, and a, a different look to the WSL, they're going to be watering down the importance of the world title. Because yes. I would suggest to you that if you're the NBA or the NFL or the World Surf League or the whatever the tennis is, what's the tennis acronym? Association of Professional. I don't know. Yeah, I don't Point know. is, we would all be pointing to the most important thing is a world championship. And if you're saying that the WSL is going to be basically saying that's not the most important thing, not outright saying that, but through a much broader spectrum of content that is produced through them, that they won't be highlighting a world title as the most important thing and the reason that the WSL exists is to create world champions. I think that they should be the tentpole events, are these WCT events, but there's an opportunity for the WSL to seize what all the surf media has kind of dropped the ball on. There's all of these things, these uh, free surf clips that are coming out are happening on the fray and there's nobody that is uh, aggregating, like creating an aggregate site for all of that content. Stab's doing a little bit. Surfer has their little bit of thing over here. Beach Grid has their little bit of thing over there. But nobody's really coalesced all of this stuff under one media Empire. I think I think the WSL could be a media empire that okay. would be a bigger, better, kind of more robust business opportunity. And their WCT events are their tentpole events, you know, that have attendance and distribution on the web for tons of viewership and all that sort of stuff. But if they don't take advantage of staking the claim for all of surf media, like Everybody else is kind of laying down on the job right now. WSL has the opportunity to really grasp that market and to produce series for Netflix, podcasts, even print magazines, all sorts of stuff that encompasses all of surfing. Okay, so do you did you read that thing that Chaz wrote on Beach Grid about the hegemony of surfing through the WSL like I don't think basically so. Chaz is going they're going to buy Surfline they're going to buy Stab they're going to buy the Inertia they're going to buy everything I do not know and just kind of own surf they don't need to buy that that's the uh, that's the crazy thing is they don't really need to buy that everybody has their own little niche market segment the WSL can kind of just do as good of a job or better of a job than a lot of those entities and you know I would overshadow all of them. I would suggest to you that if the WSL doesn't focus solely on the mission of creating world champions and, and crowning world champions, if that's not their sole mission, if that's not the top sentence in their mission statement, that 
they might be missing the mark, that they're going to miss the mark. And yeah, they might make a huge media empire and make a bunch of money and do all of those other things and become a content master, but they will fail to produce that that the that the world tour could die on the vine because it would lose it would because the others could make if the others start making more money and start becoming more of the business the the world title thing you know what it doesn't really even matter i mean look at the spreadsheet we're killing it over here on these pools and on this content and all this other stuff and 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 it starts to become the redheaded stepchild and before you know it everyone loses interest and really surfing's not even a sport they had it right all along it's interesting I want to, I, half of me completely agrees with you and I want to look at the UFC and be like, so the UFC does the tentpole events that you pay-per-view, but then they've developed a reality show and then they've developed uh, Embedded, which is an internet series and all of these other things, video games. But, it but they're props, all geared it all props towards, towards the, the main mission you're statement. Right, you're right. So I, I thought through that example, they're all geared towards the world title, the world champ. However, surfing is completely unique. So it's almost impossible to try to compare it to anything else. And what's unique about it is finding who is best in the world at surfing, the world title, is a forced fit. It's kind of a square peg in a round hole from the get-go. Let's be real. No matter how many titles Kelly wins, you can always make an argument over on the side that Dane Reynolds is the best surfer in the world, or John John was the best surfer in the world, or what Kai Lenny is doing, he's the best waterman in the world. You know what I mean? So, it's, Or the surfer with the biggest smile on his face. Exactly. Is the best. It, Mason Ho is the best surfer in the world. So that conversation is real, no matter what era we're talking about. So I think that doing the world title thing always has relevance, but there's this much broader market of surfing that if you ignore, somebody else will come over and monetize and but that's not what you bought. You didn't. You didn't get WSL into the business. Is at a point now, where they they're again looking around, going, all these other media companies have kind of constricted, and they're not dying on the vine, but they've just developed this real niche market, and we can. They're not laying down on the job, but we can seize an opportunity here. And like Prodano has said, build the Marvel where we have this whole universe. You know. So, but do all of the things that you build from this point out. Go towards the top not of the tent of pole. Not all of them. Not all of them. A huge portion of your business does, but no matter how many world titles... Felipe how much, how big of a portion of your business does? 50-50. And what if the other 50% of your business starts to just make way more money? Then you transition to 60-40. And now 40% of your energy is based on your mission statement. Yeah. No, well, your mission statement changes, Scott. Any good bit, you should always develop a business plan, and then as soon as you turn the keys and open the business, at what point does the World Surf League not be even they did take the word league out of their thing? I think it's league intentionally. It's league because. I mean, at what point do they just go? Go what? We're not about winning and crowning world titles. They don't. I think. What if it doesn't? What if it gets overshadowed by the other businesses? It should be. By the way, Chase whatever the people want whatever the consumer wants to watch is what you should be serving them and if you're not constantly adapting your model not only on a year-to-year basis but on a day-to-day basis then you're failing to serve your community you know and i think the community i i think that supply and demand yeah yeah 
And I think the way that things are going, like, look, it is highly prohibitive to do these tentpole events. Planning it a year in advance, getting permitting, trying to plan your swell window for when the forecast is going to be, having like all of that is, and having sponsors for trying to get the sponsors to allocate resources. All of that stuff has made it super challenging. Not that it's not doable, but you and I as consumers, we just want to see who did the craziest air today immediately. Who caught the biggest wave today immediately. I would disagree with that. I would think that you and I were both fascinated by the Billabong Pipeline Masters, that it came down to a, a great scenario where we had three guys in the running, and, and it was it was must-watch surfing for us, for you and I as end consumers. 100%. And there was, was, great, live, there was great waves great at waves, Pipe the yeah. last couple of days, yeah. and you and I only saw two or three of them. We saw Baron Mamiya's crazy drop that he made at Pipe, and I think we saw Nathan Florence get another one. What what about all the other things that happened that day? You yeah, and I didn't, didn't get to see that. Well, that's I agree, but I'm I'm just talking about what the WSL produced, which is the which is prime highest level competition. We yeah, still want that. We we got that, and that was way better than Baron Mamiya. Get look, there's a guy right now getting a sick barrel at Pipe. Yeah, you know, why aren't you watching it? You can watch it on Surfline if you want. Because it's not packaged in a way. Right, that that's is, my point. Yeah, that's my point. So if the WSL could also package that, in and, addition to the Pipe Masters. We would watch that. Well, I'm just saying that there's no way you, you can only you can only package one competition that's Correct. the highest thing, you know. And, Correct. And what I'm saying is that look, guys getting spit out of the barrel at pipe, while it's fascinating to watch, it's not necessarily the same level as a year long showdown that's all culminated in these three guys going at it in eight foot pipeline. Those are just two different beasts. And one is way better as far as like pulling on my heartstrings and pulling on my emotions and, and fandom and all of those things. Look, Baron Mamaya could be getting barreled right now at Pipe. And yeah, cool, I'll see it on Instagram later today. And that's great. But it's not going to have the same, dude, Pipe's on tomorrow. I got to watch that event. It's Julian versus Philippe versus Gabe. But what if the WSL was filming Baron Mamiya's wave at Pipe along with his training, along with all the waves that he didn't make, and then at the end of the year packaged it into a mini documentary that sure. you and I could watch that's well-produced. Sure. Why wouldn't the WSL produce that too? No, they would. That's what and I'm, I'm talking about. I'm fine with that. But. That's what I'm talking about. And then he makes the he makes the world tour two or three years from now, and we're all invested in Baron Mamiya because they sure. put out that documentary. No, you and this I have year. agreed on this for a so, long time. I'm but, not doubting that there's good content that should be created. I'm just, I'm just. But if WSL, we not started this seasoned. conversation by <laughs> me asking you, how does the WSL solve this problem? Not a problem yet, but. There's only four mainland USA surfers. Is this a problem? You said yes. It is, yeah. And so I'm saying, how do we solve it? And now you've got me watching Baron Mamiya. <laughs> so that was <laughs> a Hawaiian. Exactly. So that would be an additional Hawaiian surfer that would qualify for the tour because there was attention focus. There was an interest taken initially and then attention focus that supported his career. I think we've gone down a rabbit hole. We. There are 2019, there are, I have the 2019 Men's Championship Tour schedule in front of me. Okay. Quicksilver, as you know, David, no longer a sponsor of the first event of the year, nor of France. So the first event of the year is called the Gold Coast Men's Pro. They've moved it to April 3rd. They've taken February, March out of the schedule, giving the surfers more time off. I like it. Rip Curl Bells Beach 
the Rip Curl Pro at Bells Beach follows immediately three days after the end of the Cold Coast Pro. Um, Margaret River Pro does not have a sponsor. The Bali Pro doesn't have a sponsor. Jay Bay doesn't have a sponsor. Tahiti doesn't have a sponsor. France doesn't have a sponsor. Quite a few events don't even have title sponsors. Yeah. This schedule looks pretty tight and neat and nice. Problems that still need to be addressed, in my view, David. Too long of waiting periods. And that means what? There's too many surfers on the WCT, something you and I have spoken about at length over and over. There's just too many CT surfers. Yeah. They also, in my opinion, and I've said this for like, I've said this since I started doing radio in 2005, they need to establish majors, significant events that get more points. If you look at this year's schedule, you would say... Jay Bay, Tahiti, and Pipe should be major events. And Pipe should for sure have some sort of waiting system so that there's more people than just two or three that are in the running. Now, some people, especially in Australia, especially Morris Cole, would say Bells needs to be a major event too. And based on the historic legacy of that event, I agree with it. It's hard for me to see Bells as having extra weighted points, though, based on the wave itself. Am I wrong? Oh, you're so right. And I asked Maurice about that when I interviewed him. I'm like, dude, give Did you me call your... Maurice or Morris. And I asked him that. I go, what? What's your name? His name's Maurice. Okay. He says some people refer to him as Morris, but his name's Maurice. Nick so, Carroll but... told me that he used to get mad at you if you called yeah. him. Well, maybe he used to. Back in the day. He's a complex guy, Scott. There's a yeah. good chance he would have got mad at you in the past, but he wouldn't today. Uh, but I asked him about Bells. Bells. I'm like, give me your best sales pitch. You're the best advocate for Bells. What's the deal? And he didn't really convince me. It was kind of like, look, I've seen better barrels happen at Bells on certain years than on Snapper. You know, Snapper will be crappy and then Bells. I'm like, yeah, but that's. That's not really the point. If both things are great, if there's a great year at Bells and a great year at Snapper, Snapper's just more exciting to watch, you know? So I agree with you. I don't think that Bells is the most... I think it's a great wave, and it's probably thrilling to surf. It's not the most exciting wave to watch. Well, basing the concept of majors on what they do in golf and what they do in tennis, there are four majors in each of those do we necessarily need to have four? Can we just have three majors and have the majors be J-Bay, Tahiti, and Pipe? Yeah. And those get weighted heavily with points? If Cloudbreak comes back, I'd like Cloudbreak. Sure. I would agree with that. Yeah. Or how about this? And this is my other thing that needs to be addressed. A big wave venue on the schedule, Sunset Beach at the least, preferably Jaws or Mavericks. Sunset could handle the amount of surfers that are in the event now yeah those other two are one day events yeah sunset beach would be a major that would be heavy because of the sort of Unique. the nature of the wave the yeah. way that it it weeds out even the best surfers there's some would say there's luck maybe there's too much luck i would suggest that's not the case but that's what makes it fun yeah is that it's kind of un unknown. We, you know, Kelly, that's really why Kelly sort of doesn't like it because it's such a wide playing field that there's so many sort of other scenarios, other factors, I guess, that, that come but into that, play. You nailed it. That's why we like it. 
That's what we can all relate to in surfing. As good of surfers as you and I can possibly become in our lifetime, we're still uh, beat down by and humiliated and humbled by Mother Nature. Mother Nature's infinite number of equations that she can throw at us. And when you watch Gabriel Medina surf Pipeline and Chopu, he's got it wired and it's not relatable. There's nothing that can happen that he hasn't calculated for. Sunset, on the other hand, still has a myriad cal- uh, calculations, negotiations, all that stuff that nobody has really quite wired. You Variables, know? Yeah. yeah. Sunset Beach Sunset's is a wild card that yeah. needs to be on the tour. Now, they have a permit for it. The problem is is that they love that as a QS event. And they're not going to be able to do both. They never have in the past. Now, there's a QS event in October. It used to be the, um, I mean, at one point it was the XL Pros. It's still the XL. The one they have every October. It, they still it's part have of the it. Hawaiian it's the HIC. Season. Yeah, the it's HIC, the HIC, right. Now, that could become the QS, the big-time QS event. And right now, I think it's a part of the local Hawaiian season. And so those local Hawaiians would be bummed if there was just a bunch of guys that flew over for it. But look, we have to figure this out. And if No, there still are a bunch of Hawaiians that fly over for that. I mean, a bunch of non-Hawaiians yeah. that fly over. Yeah. So anyway, those are my things. Too long waiting periods, too many surfers. They need to establish majors and they need a big wave venue. And I'm okay, let's just do Sunset Beach because it's the real deal. Those things should be addressed. And I'm disappointed that they haven't been because frankly they listen to us and you and i've been especially me have been asking for this why haven't they uh for a decade yeah it's been way <laughs> too long maybe maybe they're over it <laughs> um, <clears throat> do you have you been following stabs doing their surfer of the year thing no i haven't been following it i, I saw be- the headline i didn't click on it so each day they're introducing five they ask uh, top-level professional surfers who their top five surfers of 2018 were. I saw Jordy Smith, and I didn't click on it for that reason. Okay. Tell me about Jordy Smith. Why are they making a case for him? Well, no, it was Jordy giving his opinion oh. on who his five are. Okay. And they asked Kelly Slater. They asked John John. They asked everybody that's kind of important. I'm going to read the list to you. Um, the list, they're tabulating totals over the course of like 10 days or something and i think today is the final day so this list that i'm going to read you is from yesterday it's not the final list but i'm asking you that i want you to comment on this because it reflects everything that we're talking about if the wsl you know is looking at what's important in surfing ct is only part of it and i think this list reflects that currently the top 10 are felipe Gabriel, Noah Dean, Chippa Wilson, Nathan Florence, Julian, Idolo, Griffin, Dane, Seth Moniz, Grant Twiggy Baker, and Billy Kemper. Half of the list is non-CT surfers. You know, first of all, is Noah Dean and Chippa Wilson and Nate Florence in your top five? That's on the top five right now. I think Chippa Wilson is. Oh, um, really? And I think Nate Florence is. Noah Dean. Off your radar a little bit? Kind of off my radar. But Why my is radar Chippa sk- on? Because of my kid. Oh, okay. My 20-year-old son's down with Chippa. Cool. And so he shows me a lot of his stuff, and I, every time something comes up, I check it out. Yeah. And he's an interesting cat. Mm-hmm. Not that Noah isn't, and I know Noah rips. But to me, Noah's just another ripper. Like, there's a, there's quite a few Noahs. I don't think anything Noah... What is Noah known for? Just ripping and doing airs? Yeah. He's like the new Clay Marzo or something? Yeah. Basically. New I mean, Dane, maybe, even? Yeah, I mean, like, I feel like that... 
category is already saturated. But he's the best at it. Is currently. he? Okay, well currently. then. I mean, know. the reason why people picked if him. We was, need one of those. Then you got to throw Dane out. You know, you can only have one in that category. Maybe, yeah. So the reason why people picked him was he won the Stab High event in Waco, and he had a edit called Head Noise where he did a bunch of crazy airs. But I think this is highlighting a lot of what we're talking about, which is no matter how hard we try or the WSL tries to focus on these tent pole events and make it more interesting with Sunset or doing the master scenario people are always still looking towards this other realm of the guys because let's be real the guys who are chasing swell around the world nate florence are going to be just on it they're going to get the best waves of the year because they are able to chase the purple blob rather than sitting around waiting for the wsl's event to run and if they're chasing those swells and they end up on the best wave in the world everybody wants to see it well i've already told you a million times what have i told you a million times the waves are the stars. Yeah, the waves are the stars, and the WSL needs to chase the waves, not sit around and wait for them. They yeah. need to have the Purple Blob Tour, which means they need less guys on tour. Yeah. They need to be more f- mobile. They need to be able to turn on a dime and go and put 20 guys on that swell. So and that are you saying that that would negate everything else that I'm saying about creating all this additional no, broader it content? And I'm okay the- with that broader content. I'm more concerned with... Does the WSL lose its focus as being the league that crowns world champions, the best surfers in the world? If they lose their focus, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Like, I I get it that there's a big market of groovy, cool shit that needs to be produced, that we need to absorb, that we need to digest, you and I as fans. And it's out there. Maybe the WSL should do that. I don't know. But I've always been like, well, why'd you buy us? Like, why did you buy pro surfing? Because it was free. Right. Well, that's a good. That's a great answer. I guess there's. Are there going to be people that raise the flag? They're like, "Hey, man, you're supposed to be pro surfing. Why aren't you?" And and I'm not saying that they're not going to stay on that focus. I'm just wondering. I'm just concerned that when you have such a big umbrella, and part of your umbrella spoke is world title, and part of it is creating this cool thing over here, and part of it is doing a documentary on Laird, and part of it is doing like travel logs on you know how much fun it is to take your family to the mall dives or whatever are we going to lose focus and is it okay to lose focus and maybe it, it is maybe it's okay to lose focus i don't think it's a loss of focus i think you're looking at it way too myopically i understand where you're coming from by the way but again using marvel as the comparison they still focus on these tentpole things they still put out black panther and all these movies every year but they're able to also merchandise on the side and create video games on the side. It's not a loss of focus. It's a broadening and then having specialized teams work on those things. Sure, sure. I I'm guess, all for it. I get it. I get it. I totally get it. But I, I'm more like, well, that's all good and fine as long as you're focused on crowning the greatest world titles to the greatest worlds you know the surfers in the world are you like, okay so let like me... are, if you if you slip at all and my opinion is if you're doing these other things why aren't you chasing the purple blob as part of the tour to get the best surfers in the world and the best waves in the world so let me like, ask if you you've this. got millions in capital for over there then i feel like you're not using your resources to the mission statement you know, you're not focusing them on the mission statement, which is, and again, I'm assuming that the mission statement is the World Surf League exists to create 
world titles to create the greatest world champions in the world. I think if they did your most idealized version of that Purple Blob Tour where we yes. crown a world champion. Then I'd champ, be okay with the other stuff. It's still not a broad enough scope to run, like to really run the best business they could run. That's well, still I a agree. very Look, that's a very small niche market. I mean, the best so business in the world is Amazon. I mean, just yeah. become Amazon. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, are we talking about the best business in the world, or are we talking about the reason that we exist? Like, what is our passion? Is our passion to make money? Is well, our so passion? To let's talk about that. Amazon got into selling books. They're still probably, I mean, definitively the best bookseller in the world, right? And yes. they've not only not only are they the best bookseller in the world, they've evolved that platform into now audiobooks are probably largely or yeah, but they're e-books not in the are book probably, business. They're in the they business. They were. They started out in the book business. That was their original focus, just like the WSL's original focus was the CT. And now they're selling microwaves and uh, food, food products yeah. and everything. But they're still the best bookseller in the world. By the way, I'm sure there's some small book retailer right now hating me going, they're not the best bookseller in the world. They don't a, support authors. They I don't read a thing in the publishing. New York Times that the bookstores are starting to pop up again. But I believe anyway, that too. Yeah. That's a different subject. But I guess what I'm suggesting is, if do you think that Bezos was like, hey, let's sell books? Or do you think he's like, I've got a business model the first one that we should capitalize on is the book market because it's wide open. Let's apply the yeah. business model there, I think and then we'll apply it here, and then we'll apply it here. And I think that that I don't think he went into it like, "Hey, let's sell books." He went into it like, "Let's be an online marketplace. The best, the most obvious one we can attack first is the bookstore. They're easy to, they're everywhere. We, you know, you know what I mean. Like, I don't think he's like, I want to sell books. That's my passion. Whereas the WSL's like, I want to crown world titles. That's my passion, and that's what it should be. Maybe I it's think not. You're pretending to know what Bezos's motivation and what <laughs> Ziff's am. motivation I was. You're I don't right. know that that's even Ziff's motivation was to crown world titles. Okay, well, maybe I think it's not. It was I thought largely it was Natasha's. Pro, I thought it was pro surfing. No, I think it was largely Natasha's motivation to bolster women's surfing. And the profile of women surfing, you maybe, know what I mean? Maybe you're right. Maybe so, I'm right. Maybe the WSL isn't about and maybe world Bezos champions. was about books originally, you know. But I think Bezos's strength was being able to get into a market and then be like, "Here's how we adapt tomorrow," and then the next day going, "Hey, here's a new opportunity to adapt and evolve," and that's what he's done every step of the way. Yeah, I mean, his paradigm was was you could it was vertical. You could just you know you could cookie cutter it into a bunch of different things. I don't think the but paradigm did he realize that before he launched his book. Yes, store. of course he did. No, there's no doubt. There's no way he could have anticipated what's happened in the last twenty years. So what I'm saying is he had to adapt along the way. Well, for sure, there's adaptations that take yeah. place. But what I'm saying is, I I I don't know, but my gut feeling is is that Bezos was like, I have a passion for selling books. He wasn't. He was like, I have a passion for business. I have a model. He couldn't have done what he's done without that. Yeah. yeah, and he's like, let's attack this market first and see how it goes, and then let's find the next best market to attack, and before you know it, yeah. we're selling Teslas online. I have a feeling on day one, his grandest, wildest dreams wouldn't have included all of the things it is now. So he got into books for a reason, whether it was passion or not, who knows. But um, I just think the WSL would be really, really selling their own business opportunities short if they didn't seize 
all of this additional market that exists outside of the championship. I, I totally agree. I'm not doubting. I get it. So like, me, if they start selling books, I get it. Okay, they're making money. I'm down with making money. Let I'm me just ask saying, you this. I'm just saying, what is their mission statement? What does it say? And are they focused on it? And, and the mission statement changes every day. Yeah, you're right. So let me ask you this. Are they falling down on the job when it comes to no. the original mission statement that you're implying, which is winning world titles? No. I think that's only gotten better I every agree. year. Totally agree. I think the surfers are better. The totally waves agree. get better. The broadcast gets better. And there's room for growth into of these course. other markets. And there's room for growth that on you're mentioning. that CT thing. I'm too. saying let's, keep, let's not lose focus on who we are and what, what, why we did this. And I'm assuming that the reason they did it is to crown the greatest surfers in the world as world champion. Yeah. And the greatest surf in the world. Minus Texas. <laughs> okay, we beat this you, topic you, with Hey, it. are you going to Surf Expo? Yes. I'll see you there. Cool. When are you going? Um, I'll tell you offline. Okay, perfect. Uh, the Dahui Backdoor Shootout in memory of Duke Kahanamoko Invitational. In memory of Duke Kahanamoko? This is the longest. Wow. <laughs> it's probably going to run this week, David. There's good surf. Potentially today, right? Yeah, I think probably more like Wednesday through Friday with it being epic on Saturday, according to Surfline. You can watch the the Dahui Backdoor Shootout. You can watch it on Surfline or on Stab. And reading from their press release, this content, contest is uniquely jersey-free and varies greatly from the mainstream WSL model. The Dahui explains it this way. Essentially, competitors surf an equal amount of times in non-elimination format. They do so without jerseys, and judges recognize competitors in the lineup based on their style. The best scores are tallied in each round, and number of rounds dictates how many waves are counted. That's interesting. How does a surfer know when his heat or, he, or who he's facing? Simple. Examine the makeshift heat sheet taped to a square board next to the contest scaffolding with donuts smeared on it. The point, the points, the point ceiling is raised to twelve, which is kind of blows me away. I don't, so silly. I don't understand that. Another unique element to the format: the call to surf or not surf is something voted on by the surfers themselves. And Surfline has the streaming rights, and, and again, I think you can watch it on Stab, which is where I grabbed this. Now, this leads me to a couple things before you comment on this. Okay. First is my kook, which is. Whoever decided to officially brand this the Dahui shootout in memory of Duke Hanamoko Invitational, why isn't it called Da Dahui? Because <laughs> if we're going to celebrate Hawaiian colloquialisms, we need to go all the way. This thing should be called Da Dahui shootout, not the Dahui shootout. That doesn't make any sense. Do you get that? Uh, I completely get what you're saying, and I completely understand why they did it. Dahui's the brand name. Yeah, but they're celebrating Hawaiian colloquialism. It should be called Da. I mean, if they're really going to go all in, let's go all in. Let's call it Da. Da Hawaii. Or why not eliminate the first Da? Just Dahui Backdoor Shootout. Da. Dahui Backdoor Shootout in memory of Kukamama. Kukamama. By the way, that's an addition this year, too. It wasn't always in memory of No, I think last year they did that. I kind of remember that. It's funny that that's your kook because... Da no, it's only the person who decided to officially brand it the da. That doesn't get make it. sense. It should be da da. It's funny. Dahui for the backdoor shootout was also my kook of the week for their limited ability to stream the event in the past. 
they'll do the live stream thing via YouTube, but it's almost unwatchable. The cameras are terrible. The commentary's funny, but it's not on... You You can't... You don't even know what's going on throughout. They're not calling a play-by-play necessarily. It gets it's so It's like you're off sitting track. down with them next to them at like yeah. the Subway eating lunch and you just happen to be overhearing their conversation. And the camera will be like down at the beach, just like literally the cameraman tilts and pans downward to like take a bite of a sandwich and there's waves <laughs> out the back and then the camera sh- zooms up real quick it's charming so, for like a minute i love that they're going against the grain with all too. these other things like this format mm. that they're doing and not having jerseys i love all of that but i want to be able to watch it and the fact that i can't watch it drives me insane every year you just said that it's available on stab and Surfline. great maybe this will be maybe i'll remove them from the kook by kook of the week by they're making improvements on it this year i'll wait and see and uh, reserve kook judgment until then but for now make my streaming experience better please what are what's the what are the odds what do you think it's going to be do you do you think let me just say it this way no do you think it will be better this year no no the streaming specifically will not be better this year what about the commentation probably not. commentator probably not probably not We'll see. For all those reasons, I love it. Like, the fact that they are keeping it homegrown is great, but I would love if Does they hired... Homegrown doesn't mean bad. No, I would love if they hired professional production yeah. to come in and, like, shoot the thing so I could watch it. And here's what's worse. To be honest, this is the biggest... We want to watch it. This is the biggest crime, is that there's no recap in the end. Like, in the end, show me all the tens. Show me who won the event. There's not even a website dedicated for me to go back and see who won the event. I remember last year going to their website the day after the event finished, and it was all information from, like, 2016 or whatever the previous year was, you know? It was, wasn't was even, or 2017, it wasn't even, there wasn't anybody doing a proper recap at the end of the event and making it digestible. So... By the way, I went to the WSL and struggled to find this year's um, CT Tour competitors. I saw really? last year's, you know, I saw the final breakdown and everything. And maybe I just don't know how to navigate their site, but I ended up having to Google it and I got it from a press release on like the Inertia or something. Interesting. Interesting. So, how, is that the first time you've clicked on the Inertia in some time? <laughs> no, I'll occasionally click there when I, when I need to learn about essential oil rubdowns for yoga workouts. <laughs> Which is the best one? Um, there's an essential. Actually, the Inertia has their own brand. Like, no yeah, way. the Inertia. It's called Inertial Inertial Oil. <laughs> no, Inertial. No, it's um, it's it's called something neat. It's called like um, it's called like Karma. No, no it's called it's called Seven Chakra Emotion. Is, so, this is not a joke. No, this is a joke. Okay. <laughs> Okay, Mike, like, so, by the way, what makes an oil essential? Are there non-essential oils? That's a great point. Like olive oil is probably non-essential. Oh, no, that's oil. essential. I, it's essential to me. Right. I eat way more olive oil than I do orange oil, and orange is probably essential. You know the oil that comes out of my ear, probably not essential for you? Disgusting. Yes. That is absolutely disgusting. Here's my duke. Okay. My duke is Chaz Smith. Mm-hmm. Who I witnessed sneaking into Seaside Market the other day at like 7 in the morning, which is way too early for Chaz to be up. And he was buying bathroom tissue for his family. <laughs> and then he scantered out and like without anyone seeing him. Amazing. But I saw him. I saw him like sneak a peek into Starbucks to see who was watching. And 
It was cold and early, and there was only a few of us around, but I saw Chaz. Somebody is literally on the toilet in his house, <laughs> shouting out the, Chaz! <laughs> That's kind of the need, vibe I got. We need toilet paper. He still had the crust in his eyes, so he's my Duke Konamoku for serving his family and being up at 7 a.m. And, and, and just, like, kind of like, I had never seen him walk so fast. Was, Chaz has got a house full of ladies. He is, uh, so he's my Duke. He is definitely taking care of business. Good for you, Chaz. Good job, Chaz. No one wants to be in that position, and you handled it like a man. Uh, and then Scott put you on blast. <laughs> um, <laughs> my Duke. Yes. Nate Adams. Photographer Nate Adams. Oh, did you see yeah. Story East, Eastern ESM, right? Yeah. I did see this. He broke his neck, or his neck got injured? Back. His back. His back. So, crazy incident. This was just reported on Stab yesterday. Um, Jake Howard your buddy and our mutual uh, friend of the show, Jake Howard, wrote an article on Stab. Nate was shooting photos in Jamaica, so it was focused through the viewfinder at the water, and it was windy, and somebody was setting up a tent, what sounded like almost like an easy up, like a big, heavy tent, and the wind caught it as they were setting it up before it was secured to the ground. The thing blew through the air and landed right on Nate on his back broke his back i guess three vertebrae and he ended up crushed under the tent people went over to pick up the tent and saw blood coming out from under the gnarly. tent. so really heavy gnarly situation oh, i'm sorry to hear that and um does he uh, have as, a gofundme page yes, or something yes they set up a gofundme we'll link to it on spitpodcast.com you can find the original article which i'll link to as well on stabmag.com but the reality is scott and i know this surf photographers and maybe surf filmers even more than photographers are the lowest phylum of the surf <laughs> world in terms of getting paid getting respect and we can't survive without them like they provide almost more value than any other aspect of surf media and yet they are the lowest paid and honestly the lowest kind of even respected like people don't give them the respect they deserve and they sit on the beach watching perfect waves all day and not surfing them and don't have insurance oftentimes travel on a shoestring budget and then this sort of stuff happens and they can't even cover their expenses so that's why this gofundme is set up and we'll direct you to that and nate's been servicing surf media forever and deserves um all the attention in the world so shout out to nate adams huge apologies and regrets for this even happening and it's understandable that it can happen because your focus is again just through this viewfinder you know yeah bummer man. crazy situation sorry Nate. so duke of the week nate cool um, well um i yeah. got a must-see happy moment presented by spyoptic.com scott oh good i love my spy optics and it's snowboard season so make sure you go on there and get yourself some snowboard goggles because the snow is going to be good we um, Spy gave away two $500 gift cards. In That's right. One in November, one in December. Decem December's winner was a guy named Joe McLean. Joe McLean. Thank you, Joe, for using the promo code podcast on spyoptic.com. And by the way, that promo code still exists. You get free shipping. You get a free T-shirt. They're not doing the giveaway for the gift card anymore. But still, it supports this show. That's why you should use it. And um, so my must-see happy moment is Kelly Slater's backside snap at Velzyland. Did you see his Instagram? <laughs> yeah, well, there's a lot of turmoil about this. I don't know if you followed any of the Joel Tudor. Of course. Yeah. Of course. So that's why it's my must-see happy moment. Um, 
Is it v- VLAND is the question, because Peter King's throwing it out there like it wasn't even VLAND. He's trying to placate Joel Tudor's effort to, like, smokescreen the spot. Yeah. But what's funny <clears throat> is Joel is the grumpiest guy in the world nowadays, which is amazing. And he just loves to throw shade all over the place. Kelly does. Let's focus on Kelly firstly. How gnarly is that backside snap? Kelly throwing it. How gnarly? Gnarly, gnarly. Like on a scale of 1 to 10? 10. 12. It's a 12. <laughs> it's so it's gnarly. 12. It is the gnarliest. And what I loved about it was he comes out of it and goes straight into a bottom turn. I thought it was a closeout. And then he projects through this bottom turn right around the closeout. Like so much speed and power and flow with the CT's format. Style, you mean? Yes. Yes. And projection, though. Like you want to combo maneuvers, right? He comes out of that and combos into a bottom turn flies through the bottom turn into the next section uh, with unbelievable speed. So I just loved the fluid kind of combo of that. And the turn itself was so gnarly. And he's a world champion multiple times over, 11 times. So And he's 45 years old. Right. And coming off an injury. Right. Just blowing doors on everybody. Arguably the best backside snap I've seen throughout the year. Congrats to Kelly. He comments that it's at VLAN's left. And then Joel Tudor takes to Instagram and is like, Thanks for blowing up v- the secret of VLAN's left to your mil- to millions of people, you dork. Turns out Kelly has 2.8 million fans, not just 1 million. And the fact that Joel called Kelly a dork is hilarious. Joel needs to see happy with some spies. All if right. he didn't already have another sponsor, maybe we could flow him a pair. That's your happy moment. In a weird way. <laughs> you must see it through the happy lens of Kelly's in all his glory. Right. That's what I'm saying. Well, um, the Boardroom International Surfboard Show is happening May 4th and 5th at the Del Mar Fairgrounds. This year we're honoring Australian legend Wayne Lynch in the Icons of Foam. Tribute to the Masters. All of this brought to you and presented by U.S. Blanks. And we're also doing the Boardroom Show this year in Japan. What? Yes. Japan Boardroom. That's come together. May 17th and 18th in Tokyo. It's done. Oh, sick. Dude. Yeah. Japan boardroom show. April. And, of course, the California Gold Surf Auction takes place May 4th and 5th. So you're going back-to-back months, April and May. No, no. May, May. May, May. May, May. April. Sorry. May, May. May 4th and 5th in Del Mar, May 17th and 18th in Tokyo. Dude, how full is your plate right now? Pretty full. Holy crap. But it's a good thing. Yeah, it's a great Because it's good for the surfboard industry, the building, surfboard building industry. It's a big year for us, and I'm stoked for all the surfboard builders out there. Well, there's huge board building community and surf culture in Japan right. that needs, needs focus and attention. Right. Um, We're going to focus and attend. So are you going? Yes. Dude. Are you guys honoring a shaper, like the Icons of Foam thing yet? Um, we're kind of working on that. Culturally, I'm not sure. How, we don't want to, uh, we want to do this right. And so I'm kind of leaning on my Japanese um, friends to kind of guide me along there. And that is yet to be determined. Hmm. Have you been to Japan before? Only the airport. <laughs> I've flown into the airport a few times on my way to Indo. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Congrats. Yeah, man. And the Boardroom Podcast the newest one is going to be with Chris Morrow. I've got it. I'm going to send it over to have it uploaded. And um, I have been at the end of the boardroom podcast. I've been asking for donations, but on this one, I also mentioned surf splendor. Make sure you donate to surfsplendorpodcast.com. If you like what we do here on spit and all the other great 
stuff that David puts out with Chaz and the Grit and all the other ones, um, go to Surf Splendor Podcast and donate there as well, or in conjunction with. Well, thank you. Um, and last week's was was with Tomo. Yeah, Daniel Thompson. Tomo or Tomo? Good. You should educate on that. What is it? Well, I always say it Tomo, but I think it's Tomo. No, I always say it Tomo, but I think it originally was Tomo, as in Thompson, Tomo. Yeah. Yeah. Like in Australia, they're like, Tomo! But here we're like, Tomo. Yeah. Well, and it Daniel doesn't matter Thompson. either way. Daniel Thompson interview, um, which the original file that I uploaded had a glitch at about the 15-minute mark. So anybody whose phone grabbed it in the first 30 minutes probably got that glitchy file. But if that happens to you, just delete the file off your phone and re-download it, and it'll pull the new full hour-and-a-half interview with Tom. Oh, man, that's a bummer. So It is a bummer, and honestly... Has it affected downloads? No. Uh, or it hasn't affected... The vast majority of people have said it's a great episode and haven't mentioned it, but I've had three people say, hey, what's up with this glitch? And it's I've like, your phone few. must have grabbed it in the first 30 minutes. Yeah. But it's an easy fix. So just... So re-upload yeah. it to your podcast feed. It's already... Like, if you download it now, you'll get the proper new We're, file. But if your phone grabbed it in the first 30, just delete that file, re-download it, and you'll get the new one. Easy, cool. Easy fix. All right. Scott, it's been a pleasure. I'll see you at Surf Expo this yes. weekend. Surf Anybody Expo. who's in Florida, by the way, come to Surf Expo in Orlando. And, uh, Come to the U.S. Blanks booth. I'll be hanging out there. There you go. All right. Until then, adios and aloha.